Hey there, welcome back to Freaky Geeky. This is Ash. This is Taylor. And this is Des. And this is also take two because I'll be damned if the laptop didn't dial us and we lost everything. So anyway, uh, trying to recap this real quick. Um, so I'm going to be working on the case of Kristen Smart today. Um, these notes are a little old because I was waiting on the arraignment trial to end before I uh, recorded this episode. However, it keeps getting rescheduled and moved, so I've basically got the first half down. Um, so yeah, just kind of kind of bear with me here. They're a little bit on the yeah. So and I got what I can. So yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So that it is what it is. That's what I got. You know what? My energy went into take one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, Kristen did 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 that's all, folks. Fuck a duck. <laughs> This is just not going our way, y'all. Sorry about that. Okay, take three. Kristen Denise Smart was born on February 20th, 1977 in Augsburg, Bavaria, West Germany. Germans. (laughs) Oh, we love Germans. I'm like 30% German. (laughs) I am also like 37% German. So weird. I'm some percent German. (laughs) Uh, Now that y'all know that. Uh, to stand, uh, her parents were Stan and Denise Smart, and they were both teachers uh, to children of American military personnel. She had one brother and one sister. Uh, when she was a child, she moved with her family to Stockton, California. She attended and graduated Lincoln High School in Stockton, California in 1995. Before her disappearance, she worked as a lifeguard and a camp counselor at Camp Mokulea, Hawaii. I'm sure I probably said that really wrong. I'm sorry, Hawaiians. Uh, Kristen enrolled at uh, California Polytechnic State University, or Cal Poly, in San Luis Obispo, California, in 1996. On the night she disappeared, uh, which fell on Memorial Day weekend, or which bleh, which fell on Memorial Day weekend, on May 25th, 1996, she attended a birthday party for a friend at a fraternity house. Her friends did not want to attend the party, so they dropped her off. Uh, always go in groups, folks. <laughs> Amen. Not victim blaming, but absolutely always go in groups. Yes. Um, at approximately 2 a.m., she was found passed out on a neighbor's lawn by two fellow students, Cheryl Anderson and Tim Davis, who both just left the party. They helped her get back to her feet and decided to walk her back to the nearby dormitory, Another student from the party, Paul Flores, joined their group and offered to help the two return smart to her dorm room. Uh, Davis departed the group first since he lived off campus and had driven to the party. Anderson was the second to depart the group, heading to Sierra Madre Hall after she told Flores that she could walk smart back to her dorm since he lived closer. But he could walk her back, sorry. Um... Flora stated to police that he walked smart as far as his dormitory, Santa Lucia Hall, and then allowed her to walk back to her Muir Hall dorm by herself. Which, fuck you on principle, though. Right? Oh, I'll take her home. I'll take her. You're good from here, right? After they found her passed out on a lawn. Right. She's clearly not okay. Right? Fuck you. Um, just, just throwing that out there. Right. <laughs> just saying. Not cool. Um, this is the last known sighting of her. She did not have any money or credit cards at the time she went missing, 
and she wasn't reported missing until May 28th, three days later. The, the University Police Department originally suspected that she had gone on an unannounced vacation, as was common among students over the holidays, and as a result, were slow in reporting her as a missing person to local law enforcement. She was only reported missing after a week when her family called the police. Okay, I understand not telling administration if you're leaving and going on a vacation, but you'd think she would have told one of her friends. Her I friends would have. Her friends or her family. Right. You like, can't tell me that she wouldn't have told a person. Right? Like, she was just going to decide to pick up and go to fucking Mykonos for the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Fucking that's me. totally going to happen. But I'm not going to fucking tell anyone that I'm going to fucking Mykonos. <laughs> fucking Mykonos. God damn Mykonos. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh. <coughs> Uh, several volunteers searched for her. Some of them were riding horses, and some used ground-penetrating radar devices. Uh, during the Lady Lacey Peterson murder investigation, there were rumors in the media that Lacey's husband, Scott Peterson, had something to do with Smart's disappearance due to their simultaneous attendance at the Cal Poly campus. There was a brief initial inquiry into whether Peterson was tied to the disappearance, with Peterson, of course, denying any involvement. Of and he was eventually ruled out as a suspect by the police. I want to know more about that, though. Like, I seriously, like, you gotta wonder, though. You do. You really do. With, I mean, that's three very famous either murdered or murderers. Yeah. That went in the same year? Like, I don't know. I'm sure, I mean, coincidences happen all the time, but, like, it's just, it's just wild to it me. It really is. Um, Smart's disappearance was uh, and slow response by the campus police resulted in the Kristen Smart Campus Security Act being written and sponsored by uh, State Senator Mike Thompson, which was passed 61 to 0 by the California State Legislature and signed into effect by then Governor Pete Wilson on August 19, 1998. The law took effect on January 1st, 1999, and requires all public colleges and uh, publicly funded educational institutions to have their security services make uh, agreements with local police departments about reporting cases involving or possibly involving violence against students, including missing students. It's crazy to me that somebody had to go missing for that to happen. Right, though. Yeah, I agree. Like, shouldn't that already be a thing? Right. We shouldn't have to have people die in order for people to have, for us to have proper security measures just in case. Nothing happens. Like, nobody does anything. It's like when you hear the cases of that this guy, he's he's stalking me. Oh, it's probably a misunderstanding. And then the person's dead. And they're like, oh, well, we should have known. We we should have done something. But nobody does anything until it's like too fucking late. Yep. Like, you know, I've got a, a, several stalker cases on our list to to do. Uh, there was a, who was it? Um, oh my god! Oh my god! My heart just my soul just left my body. I thought it uh, stopped recording again. Anyway, <laughs> it's charging. It's not going to stop this time. How do you know? Uh, anyway, <laughs> so uh, she was. Uh, so Kristen Smart was declared legally dead. On May 25th, 2002, which is the sixth anniversary of her disappearance. Well, they never actually found her body, correct? Nope, as far as I know. Okay. That's insanity. Yep. 
2005, her parents, Denise and Stan Smart, took a civil case of wrongful death against Flores. The Smart family was represented by James R. Murphy on a pro bono basis. Uh, Flores denied any involvement in the disappearance, and the lawsuit was ultimately frozen by the court. The Flores family also filed a lawsuit against the Smart family for emotional distress, which was also frozen by the court. And I'd fucking hope so, because that's some bullshit. That is bullshit. Like, they're going through enough. You're you're emotionally distraught? Really? Right, like, their child is presumed dead. Yeah, and, you know, and that's the thing is, even if he had nothing to do with it, you know, it was kind of irresponsible when he said, oh, I'll take her home and then leaves a drunk. Right. You know. You on- literally said, I will take her home safely and she is not home safe. No, she never probably made it home. She never made it home safe. Like, yeah, I would say, you know, he has something to do with it. Like, he didn't uphold his end of the responsibility. Yeah, no, thank you. So, uh, although her body was never discovered, what might have been Smart's earring was found by a tenant at the former residence of uh, Paul Flores' mother. Uh, uh, oh. Would you like to revise that previous statement? <laughs> um, Fuck that guy. That's my statement. Yeah, I mean, same. Um, <laughs> uh, the earring was not marked as evidence. And has since been lost by the police. Oh, come the fuck on! Oh my god! I hate them all. I, this case is gonna boil your fucking I blood. I hate them all. <laughs> Between 1996 and 2007, various searches for her remains and other evidence were conducted. Some using cadaver dogs uh, trained to detect the scent of human remains, including searches of properties owned by the Flores family. No useful leads were found for nearly two decades. Uh, the San Luis Obispo County Sheriff's Office, that's a mouthful, regularly reviewed the case and spent thousands of hours and dollars during the period of uh, 2011 to 2016. Uh, the FBI have her on file as a high-priority missing person investigation with a reward of $75,000 for information leading to, the fin- to finding her or resolving the case. I can resolve the case right the fuck now. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Terry Black, a Delta area man, offered a $100,000 reward for her body. Wow. I kind of want to high-five that guy. Right. Uh, on September 6, 2016, officials from the San Luis Obispo County Sheriff's Office announced that they were investigating a new lead in the case. Cadaver dogs from the FBI were brought in and investigators were preparing to spend approximately four days excavating an area on the uh, Cal Poly campus. Uh, After three days, items were found at all three dig sites located on the same hillside near her dorm. A smokes... A smokesman? A spokesman? A spokesman. Fuck, I'm gonna say it again! A spokesman from the sheriff's office said, the items are, uh, are being analyzed to see whether they are connected to the case which could take days, weeks, weeks, or months. The items uncovered are still being investigated as of 2020. Uh, I don't have any updates on that to see if there was anything found more recent, though. Um, the Sheriff's Office investigators and forensic specialists assigned to the case uh, ex- uh, executed 18 search warrants, submitted 37 items that were collected in early days of the case for DNA testing, 
recovered 140 new items of evidence and conducted 91 interviews from 2011 to 2020, oh uh, according to the spokesperson. Well, damn. So, like, they're doing, they're trying. They didn't try at first. Yeah, a little late on it, but um, a 2016 Washington Post article say, uh, says, quote, after a comprehensive review of the smart case, a lead was developed over the past two years that strongly suggested that the remains of Kristen might be buried on the hillside near the Cal Poly P landmark. Uh, the San Luis Obispo County Sheriff's Office uh, said in a statement, the, the um, dogs, ha- dogs brought in to search the area earlier this year had quote-unquote alerted on sites in the area, according to the Sheriff's Office. The agency said the P wasn't the only location that investigators were focusing on, but uh, but it was disclosed because it was of its high-profile nature. Beginning uh, September 30th, 2019, musician Chris Lambert released a series of 10 podcast episodes. The podcast recounts in detail Kristen's probable abduction and subsequent death at the hand of another student on the campus of California Polytechnic State University over 24 years ago. The podcast has been downloaded over 12 million times. Um, Renewed public interest has led to a new billboard being put up in the Ario Grande in January 2020 to replace the original, which had been up since 1997. Mm. They never took it down, man. Like, that gives you chills, doesn't it? Yeah, that's insane. Uh, On January 18, 2020, the Stockton Record reported that the FBI informed Smart's family uh, that additional news about her disappearance would be coming and that the family, quote, might want to get away for a while, but did not provide any specific information. Like, also, let's uproot this family just in case we find something. Uh, however, on January 22nd, 2020, uh, that was a lot of twos, uh, the record issued a, a correction. The FBI did not contact the Smart family. Rather, a retired FBI agent who had been in contact with the family for years was the source of the advice. On January 29th, the San Luis Obispo Police Department confirmed that two trucks owned by Flores had been taken as evidence. On February 5th, 2020, uh, search warrants were served for, quote, specific items of evidence at four different locations, two in San Luis Obispo, one in Washington State, and one at home, uh, and one at a home in Los Angeles County. Flores was briefly detained during the search. On April 22nd, 2020, the Los Angeles Times reported that a search warrant was served at the home of Paul Flores in San Pedro, California. The Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department uh, assisted detectives from San Luis Obispo County Sheriff's Department in the search. It was reported that numerous, quote, items of interest were uh, successfully found during the search. The San Luis Obispo County Sheriff's Department, I'm getting real sick of saying that, is now uh, continuing the investigation, but no further public information is available at this time. (coughs) The, the Those items of interest included computer towers, cell phones, and electronics that were all decades old. So that's interesting, though. Uh, and on February 11, 2021, KSBY reported that Paul Flores was arrested by the Los Angeles Police Department in Rancho Palos Verdes. God, please forgive me, all Spanish speakers. Uh, California. 
on suspicion of being a felon in possession of a firearm, which is a felony. Mm. Well, at least they got him for something. Right. <laughs> that really sounds like a, we need to get him for anything we can hold him on. Yeah. So we're going to pick this. Uh, on March 15, 2021, a search warrant was issued to the, uh, to search Ruben Flores' home, including the use of cadaver dogs and ground penetrating ground penetrating radar an older model volkswagen was towed from the home of ruben flores after cadaver dogs searched the vehicle so that kind of makes you wonder yeah if why would they take the vehicle if they didn't hit on it right that's what i'm saying they if they were like oh it's fine there'd be no need to take it Mm -mm. something something happened there so, um, on April 13, 2021, Paul Flores and his father, Ruben Flores, were taken into custody by the San Luis, B- San Luis Obispo County Sheriff's Department <laughs> in uh, relation to the case. Uh, Paul Flores was charged with murder. Ruben Flores was charged with being an accessory. Interesting. The day after the arrest, Dan Dow, the San Luis, B- San Luis Obispo County District Attorney, so that Paul Flores had, quote, caused the death of Miss Smart while, quote, uh, or, sorry, quote, while in the com- commission of or attempted rape. Mm. Yeah, that took a turn. Sorry. <laughs> no trigger warning on that one. That was an accident. Uh, Ruben Flores helped her to hide, helped to hide her remains, he said. Investigations later in- concluded that Paul Flores attempted to trigger rape Smart, although Dan Dow, district attorney, of of county of of the county of San Luis Obispo stated that the statute of limitations has expired on a sexual assault charge, but a murder committed in the course of a rape or attempted rape justifies first degree felony charges. Mm-hmm. On April nineteenth, father and son both uh, each pleaded not guilty, according to the Associated Press. On April 20th, 2021, it was announced that the prosecutor believed, uh, by the prosecutor that they believe Kristen's body had been buried beneath the deck of Ruben Flores' home, but had recently been removed. Biological evidence was found using ground-penetrating radar and cadaver dogs. So, basically, something was there. Something was there. I mean, even if it wasn't Kristen, um, that's still a problem? Yeah, no kidding. The two men made their first courtroom appearance on July 14th in San, Lu- San Luis Obispo Superior Court, where Judge Craig B. Van Ru- Ruyen denied the first district attorney's motion to add two rape charges against Paul Flores. Which, mm, I guess if the statute of limitations is up, what are you going to do? Right. Unfortunately. I hate to be like that, but... I mean, it's not like she was, she wasn't alive to report it. So, I mean, or is it around to report it? We're just assuming she's dead. Uh, On August 2nd, uh, local media reported that Denise Smart, Kristen's mother, spoke at a preliminary hearing where the judge will decide whether the prosecutors have established probable cause to proceed to trial. Other witnesses included students who are at the party. The last time the family had heard from Kristen was in a voicemail she had left the week before her disappearance. She said, I have good news. I have good news and I'll, uh, I'll call you on Sunday. Uh, Denise Smart testified. Kristen's family said in a statement earlier this year that they had faith in the justice system and that they are, quote, comforted, comforted in the knowledge that Kristen has been held in the hearts of so many and that she has not been forgotten. Oh, my God. 
Doesn't that just hurt your heart? <clears throat> On August 8th, it was announced that Scott Peterson is supposed to testify at the trial. Mm. Presumably, the defense will be using him as a tool to create reasonable doubt, as he is currently serving a lifetime uh, a lifetime sentence for the murder of his wife, Lazy, and their unborn child. See Taylor's episode for more details. Mm-hmm. Let me talk. That motherfucker. <laughs> that guy. The defense team... He's taking this as a fucking vacation. I'm gonna get out of prison. Go to courthouse. Bet. Testify. Fuck you. Fuck you, buddy. Fuck you. Well, I think I heard somewhere that he was, like, so offended. I'm like, fuck the whole way off. You're offended? You offend everyone. I fucked the whole way off. Oh, that could be hearsay, though, so don't don't quote me on that one. Um... The defense team wants to question Peterson as a part of an assertion that cops failed to consider other possible suspects in the case. Okay. Um, on August, an August 10th article from the Tribune reports, a former girlfriend of the man accused of murdering uh, Cal Poly student Kristen Smart says she remembers being shooed away from a backyard where investigators say Smart's remains were buried at the time. The woman, identified as Angie Doe, Testified in the San, in San Luis Obispo Superior Court on well that Tuesday, my bad, that she attempted to pick an avocado from the backyard of the Ario Grande home of Paul Flores's father, Ruben Flores, and was abruptly told by both Flores men to get out. Uh, the woman previously told investigators that she moved in with Flores in Lawndale after they met at a bar when she was 21 years old and he was 28. According uh, to the unsealed court documents, the woman told investigators of one incident where she and Flores were quote unquote roughhousing and he took it too far and quote unquote snapped, according to the unsealed documents. In that incident, he held a butter knife to her throat, she told investigators. The woman also had uh, told investigators of a time when the couple passed a Kristen Smart billboard in the Ario Grande. And she asked Flores about the sign. He responded, oh, just some girls went missing, uh, she said, and never mentioned any involvement. Following uh, attorney arguments on Monday, Van Ruyen said he would allow Angie Doe to testify, but he would limit her testimony to the experience in Ruben Flores' backyard. Which kind of sounds like it's the most relevant portion well, anyway. Yeah, it is. That's It has to be relevant to the case to be counted as any kind yeah. of, like, discriminating evidence or, you know. <clears throat> uh, did you do? I said discriminating. I meant criminating. <laughs> Sorry! <laughs> oh, God. It's okay. Uh, Van Ruyen said that the other information she told investigators would speak only to Flores' character and not be useful for the purposes of a pre- preliminary hearing. So they may let her do it if he goes to legit trial. Okay. So, you know what I mean? Like, character. Well, they probably will. Yeah. It's going to be a character reference. Yeah. Uh, Angie Doe took the stand roughly an hour before the lunch recess on Tuesday and recounted saying, um, saying with Paul Flores at the home of his mother, Susan Flores, in the village of Ario Grande. During the two-day visit, the couple also visited uh, Ruben Flores' house at 710 White Court, because now I have the address. Uh, she said that at some point she took a stroll through the backyard, quote, just to look around. When she was uh, standing just a couple feet away from the avocado trees, she testified both Paul and Ruben Flores began telling her to leave the backyard. 
Quote, I don't remember if it was Mr. Flores or, or Ruben, but they redirected me away from the avocado trees. Uh, they told me to come around the house and, uh, and to get away from that area. As for elaboration on Paul Flores' reaction, she said, quote, he just wanted to get me away from the avocado trees. Under the uh, under cross-examination, Angie, jo- Angie Doe told Sanger, I'm assuming that's another one of the lawyers, that she spoke to Chris Lambert, whose podcast, Your Own Backyard, explores the smart case, like I said earlier, as well as the Dennis Mahon. Mahon? Mahon? A longtime uh, smart family advocate who ran a website called Son of Susan. Angie Doe said that after Paul Flores and she broke up, that she learned of the smart case. She emailed the Son of Susan website and was contacted by Mahone about a year later. <clears throat> she said she was first interviewed by law enforcement in February. Asked if she was aware of Kristen Smart while dating Paul Flores, she said no, which I should fucking hope not. Right. Um, also, on Tuesday, which was August 10th, uh, defense served a subpoena to, test, uh, to testify on... A, a, subpoena, yeah, a subpoena for Chris Lambert to testify. Um which is the the podcast guy and requested that Lambert be barred from oh sorry and requested Lambert be barred from the courtroom for the remainder of the preliminary hearing so as not to bias his potential testimony which is a little bit fucked up in a way get all the time he's dedicated to this case and he can't even sit in the fucking courtroom that's some bullshit I mean I get it I I get it but that's such a low blow Witness testimony uh, continued on Tuesday in the month-long preliminary hearing in the case against Paul Flores and his father, uh, Ruben Flores. Uh, The preliminary hearing is not being live-streamed, and social media attendants are under strict rules prohibiting the use of electronic devices and photographing or recording witnesses in the courtroom. Uh, At the conclusion of the hearing, Van Marien will rule whether prosecutors established a probable cause, a lesser standard of proof than guilty beyond the reasonable doubt, to proceed uh, the case to our trial. Uh, one of... Nice. <laughs> one of Paul Flores' former friends... I think that's a weird way of spelling Jeremy Moon. Uh, who was a year younger than the San Pedro man. Was according, or was attending Ario Grande High School when Smart went missing on May 24th, 1996. 24th. Did I say 4th? Um... Moon testified on, on the stand Tuesday that he did not remember much about the days following her disappearance. However, he testified that on May 26, 1996, he met with Flores at about 8 p.m. and noticed the black eye. What? Well, uh, when Moon asked Flores about the injury, quote, his response was that he woke up with it. Oh. Yeah. You never done that? Uh, the next day, actually, I have done that. I was but that's- say you have. Well, yeah, but I remembered how it happened. Um, the next day, Moon recalled, he, uh, he, Flores, and two other people played a game of basketball at the local elementary school. Moon said he didn't remember whether Flores was hit in the face during the game, as Flores would tell investigators looking for evidence in the smart missing person case. After being provided a copy of his statement to a San Luis Obispo County District Attorney's Office, investigator, God, it just keeps longer every time. Uh, from the time, Moon said, no, he did not get hit in the face. Under cross-examination, Moon was asked by defense attorney Roger, Roger Robert Sanger, 
whether anyone was, quote, throwing elbows during the game. I love that. Was Were they throwing bows? Uh, quote, elbows get thrown up and people get hit, right? Sanger asks. How do you know that he didn't get hit in the face? Uh, I don't remember him getting hit in the face, Moon replied. Exactly, Sanger said. The attorney asked Moon about his uh, cooperation with the uh, investigators, including as recently as June in the uh, preparation for his testimony. Quote, if I knew there was wrongdoing, dot, 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 I had zero problems telling the truth, Moon said. Well, I love I love this though. Did he get hit in the face? Yeah. Did he get in the face? I don't know. Could he have gotten hit in the face? I guess. Like, like what? <laughs> how many times can you ask the same question differently? Uh, I don't know how you got away with that, but anyway. Uh, before the beginning of the testimony on uh, that Tuesday, Sanger asked uh, Cole, the lead investigator on the Smart case, to explain why he was wearing a purple tie. This is gonna piss you off. Oh God. As Cole had uh, has. Um, as he did every day of the preliminary hearing. Sanger asked whether the purple tie, Deputy uh, Deputy District Attorney Christopher Pureville had also been wearing ties containing purple, was meant to show solidarity with the Smart family. Quote, it's more for Kristen Smart, Cole said. Quote, I believe it was her favorite color. Some members of the Smart family have also worn purple shirts and several have been wearing pinkish purple face masks in the audience. But Cole denied the color coordination as uh, was a part of some larger effort. Van Ruyen noted that he happened to be wearing a purple tie Tuesday morning. Later in the morning session, Sanger made an oral motion to rescue uh, the district attorney's office from uh, from continuing to prosecute the case, arguing it was, quote, absolutely inappropriate for investigators and prosecutors to side with the Smart family in the way that they're supposed to be independent fact finders quote i can't believe that they do that in this case sanger said noting that quote this kind of prejudice against paul flores is what brought us here this is just what we're we're not supposed to have prosecutors on a mission to convict somebody um citing a recent case involving black lives matter protesters in which the district attorney's office was disqualified from prosecuting dakota had an opinion Yes, he did. He thinks it's also, he also he thinks, thinks it's bullshit. bullshit because my face could talk right now, my girl. I was like, "You about to be mad?" Uh, and then I lost my place because I turned my phone. Uh, okay. Citing um, a recent case involving Black Lives Matter protesters in which the district attorney's office was disqualified from prosecuting, <laughs> Sanger said the biased conduct by the prosecutors against his client is similar. Van Ruyen ruled that a hearing would not be held into Sanger until Sanger submits a formal written motion. Uh, Gary Newfield, who um, who's a retired sheriff's office deputy uh, and was a detective assigned to forensics in 1996, testified that he was brought to the smart missing persons case on June 24, 96. His job, he said, was to process Flores's former Santa Lucia Hall dorm room for any evidence. Newfield said that he uh, photographed the room, collected fibers around the desk, located a possible semen stain on the bed and mat- uh, the bed mattress, and located hairs under the mattress. No fingerprints were located in Flores's former room, which Newfield testified was was cleaned by the university's housing services prior to his search. Which, yeah, by the way, they let the staff clean the room before police got there. Excuse me. It was <gasps> it was his room, but still, you can't tell me he wasn't a person of interest, having been the last person to see her. 
Newfill said that he returned to room 128 on June 29, 1996, after being told that a cadaver dog had alerted to Flores' bed mattress. Oh, my God. Newfill said that he ultimately took the mattress and a canvas box spring cover to a forensic lab. During cross-examination, Sanger questioned Newfield about the crime scene integrity and the cleaning of Flores' dorm room. Newfield said that he never interviewed the campus employees who cleaned the room, nor did he know... Uh, what the cleaning crew specifically did prior to the search. Though Newfield had tested that the uh, testified that the first uh, learned that he that he first learned of the missing persons case on June 24, 1996, the day of the first room search, Sanger produced a record from uh, Cal Poly uh, Cal Poly detective that showed Newfield was alerted to the case on June 11, 1996. Quote June 11th probably would have been a better time to process the room, Sanger asks. A better time would have been before they, as in Cal Poly, cleaned the room. Uh, the date was, uh, the date the room was cleaned by Cal Poly staff was not revealed in court. According to a Cal Poly spokesperson, uh, the university continues to rent out room 128 of Santa Lucia Hall. So, that's kind of where I stopped with that because I started kind of losing it. Because the trial, again, like I said, got yeah. got split. Um, but I figured that's a good chunk of information, you know, to yeah. for everybody to chew on as far as uh, why we're looking at Flores, what's going on, you know, what happened as far as what we know. Because, unfortunately, this is actually a really hard case to look up, believe it or not. Really? For as big as it is, it's very hard to find information on, the big, like, the early days because it was 90, what did I say, 5, 6? yeah. 96, so they didn't really have the internet like we do nowadays, spelling every detail of the case. Right. So, I mean, I, I did my best with, with what I had available. A lot of that is news articles, obviously, that I was quoting, um, things like that. But um, I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on it. And actually, it is as of, well, if you're listening as it's coming out, uh, I think the trial just started back up again earlier this week. Uh, okay. So I'm going to keep an eye out. If I find anything, I'm going to make a part two, which will probably end up being a bonus episode. Uh, so I'm not even going to bother labeling this as part one. Uh, just because I don't know I'm gonna if I'm going to be able to find much more meat on it like I was able to this time. But we'll definitely update y'all um, as we find things and go along but i mean I, I just figured that she her story is one that definitely has been told but needs to be you know we, we need to remember absolutely oh yeah uh i have my fun fact i was about to say i got the fun fact okay so i, love how I just turned into her job <laughs> uh fun fact of the day is chess boxing is a sport in which players alternate between rounds of chess and boxing until a winner is declared by checkmate knockout or technical stop it's on espn okay i don't think i have i don't i don't have words for that yeah it's interesting I don't could think you I'd imagine watch trying it? to play chess with that damn headache for somebody smacking you in the face hell no I can't I can even play chess normally, let alone someone's beating the shit out of me. I'm too dumb for chess. I mean, you guys know me. <laughs> but I'm just like, bro, that's a sport. 
chest boxing. Good to know. Thank you for that. I thought it was like people being punched in the chest. Oh, that makes more sense. I mean, uh, but it's chess. I yeah. thought it was chest. <clears throat> nope, chess. Whoops. All right, y'all. Well, thanks for hanging in. Uh, I know that was kind of a, a wordy. I mean, all, all episodes are wordy episodes. It's all they are is words, but uh, a lot of uh, weird uh, articles uh, that I was reading from. But thanks for sticking with me. Uh, as always, check mm-hmm. us out on the social medias. Um, you can look us up on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, which I've been neglecting. Oops. Um, <laughs> How dare you? I know. Let me just announce my failures. Uh, and of course, we got that email address, freakygeekypodcast at gmail.com, or easy to find on the socials. So I believe, unless anybody else has anything else to add, it is time for me to tell you to stay freaky. Stay freaky, y'all. Stay freaky. Da 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 da